Welcome to the CEO After Dark show, a show dedicated to finding how top business leaders became who they are today. I'm your host, George Capernaros. I'm the CEO of Yocto, one of the world's top email and SMS marketing agencies. Join me as I interview some of the smartest CEOs, CMOs, and other top leaders in the e-commerce and digital business space and go deep into the steps and journey that brought them to where they are today, the positive, the negative, and everything in between, so you can learn from what they did well and avoid the mistakes they made along the way. And we're live. Today I'm here with Jorge de la Puente, one of the smartest performance marketers I've worked with. We've worked together for what I think like almost a year at this point. And what's super special about Jorge is that he's the owner of multiple businesses. I believe like four, five, six, even I don't precisely know the number of businesses, but he has a performance marketing agency that's quite successful. I believe over 60 employees and also some brands of his own. And you have spent like what? 150 million, I think, in, in Google Ads, like a crazy number like that. Yeah, it was plus 100, yeah, plus 100 million dollars in, in, in Google Ads spent, yeah, over the last five years. How is it? Like, what's your day-to-day, like, almost, like, when you have, like, so many different things going on? Because a lot of people struggle just having one business. Like, you have a lot. How does that work? How can you do, like, everything all at once? Yeah, so, so I would say the, f- the first thing is probably goes a, bit, a little bit against what I've done. So it's it's normally much better to focus in just one business and make that grow. So diversifying a lot at the beginning is not what I would probably advise to do. But anyway, I, I did launch different different businesses. They are kind of related between each other. So I guess that you need to be a very organized person. You need to fucking work really hard as well. But then I guess it's more about the people you work with and the people you surround with. So you need to have a really good team. You need to be able to delegate and how to do that. I think that's critical in a business. So you need to have um, a really good delegation skill, let's say. Um, and then it's, it's all about supporting the people that you work with, um, motivating them, helping them, and then making quick decisions um, in the different businesses. But I, I, again, in a summary, I would say it's more about the people that you work with. Uh, you need to have really good people uh, managing the different businesses. So uh, it's about taking care of those guys and, and helping grow. What I've noticed, because I've worked with your team quite a lot, is that they are commercially minded, like shout out to Alvaro, to Winston. They are like business people. It's not that they just have like a checklist and they just follow the checklist, but like they actually like care about growing the business. Yeah, I think it's probably more, I also come from a, say from a sales background. So at the end, when people work with me, it kind of they do see that kind of commercial acumen, so it's something that probably sticks as well there. So they learn a little bit about it. So I don't want just people to work on the typical things. I want people to think outside the box as well. So not just doing the basics. So I do really push people to try and do different things and test different things. I think that's really important. So yeah, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why they. they... I th- I think you were initially correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were initially working at Google, which is. Like for me as an outsider, it's almost like sounds like a perfect company, right? Like we always say, oh, it's Google. It's like one of the biggest organizations in the world. So like, how did you decide to leave that almost perfect, I assume, environment and like start something that's like your business? Yes. Well, Google was definitely one of the best experiences I've had in my life, uh, in the corporate life, let's say. So I learned a lot there. I met really smart people. I used to live in Dublin for eight years, so I worked eight years in Google. So I think 
corporate life, it was not for me since I was young. I, I always wanted to do some stuff on my own. But definitely Google was was a, a really big step towards that. So I learned quite a lot about online business and advertising and marketing. So I did take that and leverage that in order to start building my own companies. So probably the reasons why I left Google, it's again, I always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So I always wanted to do stuff on, on my own. I don't know, even when I was young, I, I don't know, I even if I go to a restaurant or I go to a coffee, I always try to understand why I'm buying a coffee in that particular coffee shop, right? And not the other one. So kind of trying to think how that business is going, uh, how could you improve it? Why am I buying from this guy, right? I'm not buying from the other guy. So I always had this kind of mindset since I was young. But I guess once you start working in a, in a really good company, so you reach a certain point where at the end it's, it's a corporation, right? So in order to keep growing, even though you're like the best manager or you can be the best sales manager or you can be the best salespeople, sales rep or whatever, uh, at some point there's a lot of bullshit in all the companies when you work in a corporate life. So if you really want to keep growing the ladder and keep scaling in that in that company, there's a lot of bullshit you need to do. Like uh, office politics and stuff? How do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you need to be kind with everybody, even though if you don't want, you know, like kind of politics and play that kind of game, which again, it's it's probably the only way you can keep growing in that company, even though you're probably the best sales manager or whatever. So I don't really want to play that game for the rest of my life. So that was one of the reasons why it's hard to leave Google. And again, I only have good things to say about Google. It's probably, again, probably the best company in the world. And certainly at that point, when I used to work there, everybody wanted to work in Google. So it was the best experience I've had. But again, once I worked there for eight years, and then I got promoted several times there, you reach a certain point where you need to start playing that politics all the time. So I really didn't want to get into, into that game. So that was the first thing. In terms of freedom, even though you work in a really good company, I was able to travel a lot, but you don't get that freedom that I saw some other friend of mine that they owned their own businesses. I couldn't travel wherever I wanted. I couldn't work from wherever I wanted always. So that kind of freedom I wanted to have, I couldn't have it in a corporate life. Even though in Google, you were kind of flexible and you were allowed to travel, but you, you, you don't reach that kind of let's say, freedom that I wanted to. And then with the, even though you have like a good salary and really good salaries in Google, you don't get that kind of finance freedom totally. So I really wanted to take care of my family because that's what they've been doing for all of my life. Now it's my turn, let's say, to take care of them. So I knew that the only way to really, really help them, it was building my own business. Obviously, understanding all the challenges and all the things that you need to go over. But that was probably the three things that made me change from Google. For me, I didn't work at Google, but I was working in a good company and I had like a very senior position there. And like what I felt, and actually that's, I guess, the main reason why I left and started my own company was there were a lot of things that I think I would do differently or like I could do better almost. Like this sense of wanting to do things my way, like that that was a very, very, very strong like feeling that I had. And I said, I'm going to do it, you know, like I'm going to live and I'm going to do it. Uh, did you feel like that way maybe? Yeah, so, so you're always allowed to do everything that you want, right? Even though, again, in Google, it was quite flexible. The mindset was really good. Uh, and you were allowed to do lots of things that probably in other companies you were probably not allowed to do. But you're still kind of restricted. I, you, you need to follow some guidelines, right? So you're not 100% um, free to do whatever you want. You can propose things, obviously. Some of them get approved. Some of them don't, but obviously you cannot do everything that you'd like to do. So yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons as well. And okay, so you were at Google, you decided to start like something that, what was your first business? Like how did you start? Yeah, so I started doing some affiliate business. So that's basically running marketing campaigns for other brands. 
at a performance level. So basically, you get paid only if you sell that product for that particular brand. So I started doing that for trading companies, iGaming companies as well. And I started on my own, starting to do that. So I started to make some money there. But that was my first business, like doing it on my own and again, running Google Ads campaigns for for other brands. I think that's kind of the best way to get good, right? Like to only get paid when you make results. Like you get good quickly, right? <laughs> well, you have to, right? Because you know, you, exactly. <laughs> you cannot even eat, right? So yeah, I think it's the best way to learn, right? Because you're, you're pushed to try and do it the best way. Because if not, you're not going to get paid. And I think a little bit now in the in nowadays in in the agency in the agency business, I think that's a little bit all we are lacking, right? You always keep this this kind of percentage of spend when you talk to an agency, right? And that's not really what a brand is looking for. A brand is looking for growth, right? And metrics regarding revenue and profit, not just about the spend itself and having this retainer fee. I think it's more about performance. I think the agency business itself, I think it should evolve a little bit towards more performance. And like this first affiliate business, like, is this the origin of Kin and the agency that you now have? Or like, was this a different venture? Yeah, so I started there. So then I realized that I needed more people if I wanted to scale. So once I understood how to run Google Ads campaigns for for third-party brands, I decided to start scaling. So I needed some tech in order to build those websites and those funnels more quickly. And then I needed more media buyers in order to be the same launching more campaigns at the same time so it all started with that really so that's where the agency started to pick up um and then from there i've been doing uh, many other things that we can we can discuss later on e-commerce and stuff but but yeah i guess performance google ads um and affiliate business was basically where i started with were you also doing youtube or like was it more a uh, google it was more Google, Google, yeah. So YouTube was in a, in a, in a next phase, let's say. Uh, we do YouTube now a lot, but it's different. It's a different way of um, optimizing campaigns and the funnels are very different. But uh, yeah, it all started with Google search, basically. Okay, that's interesting. And you have this agency, it's like now starting to pick up. You have like, you spend a lot, like you, the agency grows, etc. How did you pivot to having your own brand eventually? Like, what was the decision there? So the thing is, when when, when you... When you work with lots of different brands, you learn a lot about everything like products and marketing and um, the marketing mix and uh, email marketing, definitely how they do things. So you start learning a lot of things. And then if you think about it, say, okay, I know how to do something very unique, which is this Google, how to scale with Google Ads and Amazon, which by the way, it's something we are uh, currently leveraging at. It's like Amazon is working really well combined with Google Ads at the same time. But what I best, basically, I asked myself, okay, so I'm doing this for third-party brands. What, why not doing it myself? Because I know how to do, let's say, the acquisition channel, which is probably the most difficult thing to do, which everybody lacks that kind of experience, right? And that's why everybody looks for an agency and trying to get this acquisition funnel starting to work, right? So I know how to do that really well, profitably and at scale. So just by learning more about products, more about research and development, more about um, marketing mix, etc., I could just create my own brand myself, right? So... That's why I decided to to launch my own e-commerce brands uh, at some point. So I've been doing that for two years. I think it's a very big thing because there's a lot of agencies that will say, I'm going to grow your brand, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But they, they, they haven't actually had their brand, right? So I, I assume that you learn quite a lot when you have your own brand. Yeah, I think yeah, I think there's so many fake um, shit around the internet right now. Like everybody knows about everything, but then it really, you start to really deep dive and see who's behind that. And they've done nothing, right? So 
how can you teach something that you've never done? So I think that's one of the things to be aware of, right? for new uh, entrepreneurs and, and everything, like stop buying courses from people that haven't done what you want to do yourself, right? So be careful with that. So so yeah, again, it's it's something. So you, you learn from the agency, you launch your, your own e-commerce brand, but I've tested many different things and I've failed many, many different things and many different times. But at the end, knowing this expertise from working with big brands uh, as an agency, it does allow you to have that expertise and that background in order to be able to start your own brand from scratch. I would say it's quite difficult to start it with if you don't know like acquisition is probably the most important thing if you want to start something from scratch, because if you don't have new customers, then you, basically there's nothing you can do. So once you know that part, then understanding more about product, hiring, you need to learn about lots of stuff, right? Budgeting and things, but acquisition is the most important thing. You need to funnel your, you need, you need to get new customers, right? Every day. So once you know that, that's what, that's basically why I decided to start my own brand. Say, why not do it myself? And then there's another big point here as well, which is about if you really want to exit at some point, it's easier to exit a brand that has much more value than if you just exit a service company or a pure, let's say, agency, right? A brand has much more value. So if you're really looking into an exit at some point, I guess having an own brand, or it doesn't have to be an e-commerce, but it could be a SaaS or whatever, but having a brand makes it a much more interesting for investors to invest in or to buy it. And I, I also imagine that by having the brands themselves, you kind of learned how to grow brands in a more deeper level because like you saw the entire picture, right? Like the supply chain, how that works, how the manufacturers work, like what you can expect, like how the products actually, like how do you define the quality of the product before you start selling the product, like all of those things, right? Yeah, that that's key because um, at the end, if you really want to grow like a big brand, you need to have a really good quality products. Then obviously that affects the reviews that you're going to have, uh, not just in, in just Pilot, Google, et cetera, but uh, in Amazon as well. So you need to have a good product. That's the first thing, right? So there's a big product development, product research, competitor analysis, et cetera, you need to do before launching anything. So there's a big due diligence that you need to do before doing anything else. So that's key to start. The product development and uh, research is clear. What's like, because I, I know a lot of people try to do Google ads and it's, I, I suppose, relatively easy to start like targeting brand keywords and so on. But like, how do you actually grow on Google ads? Like what's perhaps like the, the one thing that people do wrong mostly? Because if, if, again, brand bidding, everybody knows how to do that, right? Even my mother could do that. Uh, even though she doesn't marketing, right? But that's that's not the way to go. Um, so Google Ads again, it's it's about I would say um, it's about spending a lot of money. That's first thing. So you need to test different things. Um, if you don't test, you're not going to be able to understand what works best. So that would be the first thing. And again, I, I spend a lot of money in Google, so uh, I've got lots of learnings. Um, uh, from from all that spent, let's say, and then at the end you need to understand the algorithm, right? It is like probably like Facebook and uh, other engines or LinkedIn or whatever. So if you don't really understand the algorithm, it's very difficult to to scale. Um, so those two things, and then probably getting a little bit more into detail, I would say that people when run Google Ads, they don't understand that you also need a funnel to convert in Google Ads, right? Because it's always people talking about Facebook and, okay, I have this funnel, advertorials and VSLs and stuff, you know, like, because it, it, obviously it's more cold traffic than Google, right? But in Google, even though it's warm, warmer traffic, you need a funnel in order to convert. It's not just about sending people to the typical Shopify product page and that's it. That's, that's probably that worked probably three, four years ago, but that doesn't work now because you, you need a funnel, right? So, uh, understanding what, what's the right funnel in Google ads makes a huge difference. So that's, that's, 
again, testing different, different funnels and spending a lot of money. We do have a unique funnel that we use in Google Ads, and it's what really has made our brands really crush. And uh, working as an agency, a performance marketing agency as well, uh, we make a big difference compared to others. So Tell us a little bit, like you, you don't need to kind of reveal everything, but just so that you have a sense, like how does this funnel work? Like what's the structure? Well, you need, yes, I mean, I'm not going to reveal everything, but um, um, but it's not just a one-step funnel. So you need to warm up stuff. So that just... To give a little bit of an insight, I would say that people like to compare things, right, in general. So if you're allowed to, if you want to compare your brand, for instance, with an, with another brand and just tell the customer, or potential customer, why you're better than the other, just highlight it, you know, like show the customer that your brand is better than others and why it's better than others. So you're trying to convince the customer before just showing the price and saying, okay, my product is the best, but I say it's the best, why it's the best, right? So normally comparing things, um, it's a good thing to compare. I see. How do you manage everything? Like how, how how do you stay on top of everything? You mentioned delegation a lot, but I assume that even if you delegate, you still need to have like your finger on the pulse to some extent. And since it's performance-based for your brands, obviously, and also for the brands that you have as an agency, like how do you keep up with everything? Yeah, so I guess it's it's I don't sleep a lot, to be, to be honest. <laughs> I tend to sleep like around four hours a day or something. So, um, so I wake kind of early. Uh, I try to get rid of the emails and stuff very early in the morning. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very structured in my in my daily routine. So uh, I try to keep, let's say, on top of of what's going on. I try to meet finance, product, marketing. Uh, I'm not saying every day, but weekly. So I I, I do have a very organized agenda, I'd say, and, and try to accomplish what I what I have in mind. So I normally prepare that the night before. And then um, when it comes to the day, uh, I normally try to deliver exactly what I what I was planning to do. So yeah, very organized. And then again, it's, it's, you need to have really good people working with you uh, in order to be able to scale. Is it like a fixed schedule, like same meeting every week, same day, same time, like that type of thing? Or is it more flexible? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So I do have like a fixed agenda uh, and um, I'm trying not to get so many uh, weekly meetings as I used to, um, but I do have like structured fixed meetings every every week again, with marketing products and, and finance mainly. I do have some cutouts with IT as well and even with customer support. But I, I, I try to have not so many meetings I used to have. And then it's I'm, I'm flexible in terms of, because I'm always in charge of new business as well myself, so I do run that on my own. Let's say I don't have like a new business development manager or something, so I, I do that my, on, on, on my side. So I, I spend some time in new business as well. But yeah, I do have some flexibility, of course. Again, when it comes more to commercial um, deals, commercial meetings, etc. I normally work a lot with the US, so my afternoons here in Spain normally are covered with um, US meetings. So yeah, my daily agenda normally extends to evenings here in Spain. Uh, but yeah, I do have some flexible stuff for sure. Uh, but uh, but you need to have some structure. You need to have some structure in order to be able to to accomplish whatever you want to do. So it's not, if you don't have like an agenda, it's very difficult to progress. Did you always have like structure? Like for me personally, I'm also fairly structured and organized these days, but I wasn't always like that. I had to become like that because otherwise I was kind of not able to keep up. Yeah, exactly. Because you need to, yeah, if you don't have structure, you're going to start having meetings every day. Like everybody wants to meet with you, right? So if you don't have your your agenda blocked at some point, yeah, it's everybody's dropping stuff in your in your calendar. So um, yeah, you need to have structure. You need to have a um, 
at least an agenda from the from from the beginning of the day until the end of the day and try to accomplish that. And then if you have some spare time, free time throughout the day, you can have some flexibility, right? But I think structured agendas are, are important in order to run the business. What's um like if you could uh I, I assume you have some sort of definition, but like what's the type of brand that you like to work with on an agency side? Like what are the criteria for someone to kind of work with you guys? So that's that, that's a very good question because once you start uh, as an agency, you kind of work with nearly everything, right? It's like if you don't have that kind of name, so it's you want the more you have, the you think it's the better, right? But it, it's 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 not always the same. It's it's not that way. So when we start working with a brand, we are much more selective now than what we used to be before. Because at the end, in order to you work at a performance level, it's not like I'm getting a retainer fee or something. It's, I need to make money. I need to sell in order to make money myself. So we do have a very the deep dive analysis of the brand, and there are certain criteria that you need um, you need to have in order to be able to work with us. So you need to be like a solid brand, that's for sure. Um, you need to you, you have to be competitive in price. You need to have advantages other other brands. So uh, if people compare you, uh, you can be better than the others. So there's some specific KPIs that you need to to have in order to be able to work with us. But for now, we are working much more on the health and beauty sector with big brands there we're just focusing mainly on that vertical because that's where we are getting the expertise and it's much it's much easier to scale for us as well uh, and it's easier for us to help the brands work i think you also learn the niche a little bit better and it's just like just easier because you have more insight into what works right exactly yeah so we've been working in in, in that particular niche now for it's been for a year and a half now and the brands are more stable evergreen campaigns that means it's not like one-off black friday campaign you make money and that's it so we prefer to have something much more stable throughout the year so health gives you that and beauty gives you that as well uh, other niches don't so that's why also uh, my e-commerce brands are around health and beauty uh, much more stable again evergreen and we like that and then high margins as well health and beauty gives you the advantage of the recurrency of the customers so a customer can come back again they need to come back again to buy that stuff, right? It's not like if you buy, I don't know, like a smartwatch, right? If you buy a smartwatch, that's it. You're not going to buy two or three. You're not going to come back to buy again. But if you're having, let's say, a protein powder, for instance, or collagen powder, you're going to need that every day, right? So it's a monthly subscription, monthly recurrency, which makes much more attractive as a brand to work in that niche compared to other niches. I think you also like bundles a lot, right? Like Because they increase the AOV a lot. Yeah, because exactly. So you you're allowed in at least in health. Probably I'm not sure in other in other verticals, but in health and beauty, people because you're going to need that product for the mid long term, right? So offering them three at a discounted price makes sense for the customer. So okay, I'm gonna have to try this for three months, right? So why not buying three at the beginning? I get a discount and I test it for three months. So we offer bundles. That's a way to make profitable the business at a first sale, which is normally very difficult to do because people normally monetize and make profitable brands when you make repeated purchases and when you work on the back on the back end, let's say. But we are profitable uh, in our first sale. And that's about bundled strategy, upsells, downsells, product page, optimization, CRO, etc. So there's lots of stuff uh, and different um, KPIs you need to take into account. Uh, but it's very challenging nowadays to make a brand, let's say, profitable in the first sale. Uh, and we are able to do that, again, because we have this unique Google Ads funnel. And we are also complementing that with Amazon. We started with Amazon. It was March 
March to this year in 2023. And the compounding effects is massive. You obviously need to do it in a specific way. But if you if you learn how to do it, the brand explodes. And that's, that's what we are experiencing right now. So it's a, it's a really good combination to work both at the same time. You mentioned that you like to work with brands, like real brands that have advantages, like something unique about them. Is this like more on the product side or like, how do you mean that? So it has to be something something that makes your brand stand out from others, right? So it could be something on product, could be something on marketing, it could be something on price, could be something. So you, you need to have something unique, right? So we, we use that USB, unique selling points, uh, in our marketing landing pages, in our marketing strategy, in order to sell that. So that's when people start comparing brands, which people normally do, because if they don't know you, they want to compare, okay, what, what, what are you offering different from others? Uh, that's what we normally use. So we are very focused on the USBs that a brand can offer. And that's what we use, again, in our creatives, in our landing page, in our funnels, in order to convince the customer, this is the brand you should be buying and not the other. Okay, so you have like very specific criteria when it comes to... To, to selecting the brands that you guys work with. Do you have like something similar for the partners that you select for the brands that you have? Like, for example, when we started working together, I recall like one of the points that you, you guys were interested in is that we had vertical expertise. Like we had worked with similar projects. Like funnily enough, we didn't actually work uh, on the project you had in mind. We worked in other projects, but like I, I, I believe you have there also some criteria. Definitely. So I think obviously referrals, it's important. So if somebody that I personally know and I trust, if they do recommend me somebody to work with, I would definitely give it a try. And then we normally do like a good diligence in terms of understanding who is behind or in which vertical, what's the expertise of the founder, which in your case, obviously met those criteria as well. So you'd worked in the same vertical, very similar. Uh, you had expertise working on that kind of brands. So that makes it easier for us to choose that partner to start working with. Because you have the expertise, not just about knowing about e-commerce, because e-commerce is like huge. So right? it's not having have a clothing brand or a, sorry, an apparel brand or a gadgets brand or health. It's very different, right? The way it works and everything. So having the expertise in that particular niche, in that particular industry, that makes it makes a difference, makes a difference. Um, so that's that's something we look into it, yeah. If you were to look back and like, because you, you've done a lot of things on a lot of things, uh, I guess, like what's kind of the, um, like the, the number one thing that you think has had the most impact, uh, in everything you've accomplished? Like what's kind of the most important lesson or like tip or like learning? There's different things. I, um, so I, I was born in, in, in Spain. So here, for instance, uh, English uh, language is a, is a big barrier compared to other countries. So not knowing English, for instance, it might sound stupid, but it's not stupid. It's it's critical. So in Spain, it's difficult to find people that speak fluent English. That's the first thing. So I was lucky enough because uh, my mom pushed that since I was young. So I had the had a chance to study in an English school, so I had that English to start with. So that that makes a difference because it stands you out from from other people, right? Uh, mainly in Spain, because people don't don't speak English. So that was the first thing, and I was when I was a child. Right? That was thanks to my mum, by the way. Um, so yeah, for sure. So learning English when you are young, at least in Spain or anywhere anywhere else, it's critical because at the end. Uh, who are you going to make business with if you don't speak English? Uh, what the f- you know, like th- th- there's no way you can really scale. There's no way you can travel abroad. There's no way you can date girls. There's no way you can do anything. So you need to learn English. That's, that's probably the first thing you need to do. And in Spain, we're still catching up with that. It, it's taking time. Huh? So 2024, getting in 2024 now, we still haven't nailed the the the, 
the language barrier, let's say. So yeah, English, I would say, was one of the best things um, I found when I was young because I had the opportunity to study in English school. Then in terms of, of skills, I'd say sales probably is one of the most important things um, for me in order to be able to run a company. I think you need to sell something. So I think you need to have that experience at some point. Yeah, because you can learn about finance, you can learn about product marketing, you can learn about, but if you don't know how to sell, it's difficult, you know? And if you want to run a company, you need to sell something. You need to sell your services. You need to sell yourself. You need to sell your brand. You need to sell. It's it's it's, it's about that, right? So in sales, it's something I've been always um, very close to since I started working, uh, even before Google. So I think sales is something, something important. And then probably can management and understanding people and that links to hiring uh, and getting top talent, I think it's very important. Because again, if you're not surrounded with a, with top people, it's, it's no way you can you can scale a business. So identifying the, the strengths and weaknesses of the people that you're hiring in your company, I think it's important. So I always had the kind of, I'm saying it's easy for me, but I, I, I'm more used to, to, to understanding probably weaknesses and strengths from people and analyzing those persons. So Probably that's an advantage as well uh, compared to others. So that definitely makes a difference if you know who to hire or who not to hire. I think that's key. So yeah, those probably are three things. Probably are much more, but anyway, yeah, probably. That's really good. What about like the opposite? Like any thing that like comes to mind that if you could like turn back uh, the clock that you would kind of do differently or like perhaps a mistake that you made or like, like if you could advise basically yourself when you were younger and you were starting, like, what would you do differently? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question, and I think it's something that everybody should think about. So you always listen to this, like your net worth is your, sorry, your network is your net worth or whatever, right? So I, I, I do think that's something that's important to build, which probably I haven't worked so much on that, like international connections and stuff. So um, once it comes to business, so having really good contacts in different aspects of the business can definitely help and speed up things. So probably networking and surrounding yourself with successful people, I would say that's a very important thing that I could, could have probably done better in my life. There's this thing that people say that you become like the people that are closest to you. And like, I guess it makes sense. So like if you do actually connect with people that are like, not necessarily more successful, but like take their life seriously. Let's put it like that. Like they want to do things in their life. It really, I believe, impacts you in a positive way. That's definitely. So you're spending a lot of time with somebody that, I don't know, like likes um, the basketball. At the end, you might like basketball, right? Are you meeting with somebody always that, are, I don't know, whatever. So you, obviously, uh, if you, you're spending lots of time with certain people, at the end, you're going you're gonna to think or you're going to probably like things that they do like or they, you do things that they do. So I think surrounding yourself with successful people or people that can offer something different or from people that you can learn from, because sometimes it's yourself that you are kind of trying to, not saying teach people, but you share stuff for people that haven't had that experience. But at some point, it's important as well for you to keep learning, right? I think we need to keep learning every day. Uh, and you need to be surrounded by people that have done different things that you haven't done and that you can learn from. So I think that's very important. And I guess that's something I, I could have done much better in my life. I guess you're also, uh, like, because you mentioned learning, etc. It's partially, I guess, why you're also coaching a few people, I guess, right? Like you, you want to help people kind of like shortcut in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I've, I haven't opened any program yet like that, but I, I am helping like one-on-one -on -one coachings, um, for some people that really want to learn, uh, again, my Google ads, um, uh, performance marketing and e-commerce brands as well. 
you know, how to build that. So I am coaching people on that as well. And how does that work? Like in, in case someone is like, wants to like try that, like how does that work at the moment? Yeah. So I just have like weekly calls. I coach on how you should structure a Google Ads campaign in the best possible way you can. And it, that, again, that's not just about the account structure, but it's about the funnel. It's about everything and how you can work with different brands, how you can find those brands and start making money. Additionally, how you can create your own brand as well, mainly on the health and beauty, because that's where I have the expertise on. Again, it's back to where we're talking about the gurus and people talking shit on the internet, you know, like they haven't done anything. Well, I've done, I've done it myself, right? So I prefer to show people, teach people how to do something I've done in a specific sector. So I do that as well on the e-commerce side. And then on Amazon, again, when we started again in, in March um, this year, I think it's, um, again, the, the, the compounding strategy we are seeing now is, is it's massive. So I'm adding that as well to the coaching. Uh, if you want to create an own brand, you should have Amazon and you should do it in a specific way combined to your Shopify or your outside Amazon strategy. The same. So yeah, I'm doing that for one once. Would you say that like now uh, is is like a good time to to start a brand? If, if someone is like a beginner, you know, like the, because... Obviously, you had a lot of advantages, right? You had an agency, like you had spent a lot on acquisition. You, you knew what you were doing. Like for someone that's kind of like a beginner, is it a good time to start? I think it's difficult um, to start to start up. So if, if you haven't started anything on your own, so my first first thing I would say is that if you want to start something, you need to be very aware of what starting something means. It, it, this is not. So it's something again. It's it's everything. It's on 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 in the internet and people talking about the freedom and life and how how good it is to start something. But starting something, it's like a fucking war every day, right? It's really challenging to keep going. It's uh, and you need to be. It's not for everybody. Like it's 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 what it is. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But it's not for everybody. So you cannot start something from scratch just because you listen in the internet that you're going to start this and that's and just got you're going to start making money tomorrow. That's not going to happen. You're going to be failing. You're going to be so you're going to get broke probably one or two times uh, in your life. So it, it's difficult to start something uh, from scratch. So I would suggest people to really get some coaching from people who have done what they want to do. I think that's a shortcut, as you mentioned before. Like if you want to get there, okay, we're not talking to somebody that. They've done this before. So uh, learning before start, starting something, I think it's it's really important. So I think education is key here. I'm not talking about universities, but talking about really getting a mentor, coach, etc., uh, to get where you want to go. And then in terms of e-commerce, I think you need to have a unique way of acquiring customers. That's probably one of the most difficult things. And then you need to retain those customers as well, obviously. So I, I wouldn't start an e-commerce brand myself if I wouldn't have a coach. And if I wouldn't have done anything on my own as an agency or having worked with some clients before and learning more about what's a brand before starting on my own, I think the possibilities of failing, they're obviously very high or always if you start something. But if you haven't, you don't have that experience before, it's going to be much even higher. So I would suggest people to get some coaching, some mentorship on specifically what they want to do. And I would definitely advise to work with a brand, even as a freelancer, uh, even, I don't know, as, as free, like offering free services to them, whatever. But learn something before really starting some, something from scratch. I think that's uh, that's an important advice. One of the things I used to believe was that kind of like, and I still believe it, I guess, uh, the best way to, to start is to go somewhere. It's basically what you're saying, like work with a company, for a company that is doing what you want to do in a sense. But what I've noticed also is that you can do everything. Like you can go to the company, you can learn a lot of things, but when you start something, it's still going to be hard. Like it's never easy. It's as you said, it's like always a war. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's like it's crazy. And I, I do think that the message that it's people are putting out there in in, in the internet, it's dangerous because I understand that people want to kind of escape your nine to five and all this kind of, you know, like okay, it's fine, you know, but. But do you know what it takes to really start something from scratch? That's that's the other thing, right? That people don't really explain what it really takes to do that. And that's what's going to happen when you start something, right? It's You're going to fail every day. So normally failures uh, are much more often than successes. So uh, every day you're going to have stuff that you're going to have to sort out. Things don't go the way you would like to. Obviously, you, you need to manage high level of stress and not everybody knows how to do that. So you need to, to, so you need to know how to manage fuck situations basically every day right that's that's what you need to do and that's all every day it's not just i'm working from monday to friday you need to work on saturdays you need to work on sundays you need to work on holidays that's what people don't normally talk about when they say okay why don't you start your own business okay that's fine but what does it take to do that so all of these things should be um, taken into account before starting something what do you do to manage stress like i like for example on whatsapp you have like this picture where you are doing like a stretch i believe or at least you used to in the past like do you like uh, do like some exercise yeah so it's funny because uh, i i didn't work out uh for a long time but um when i started my my own company I started to work out um a little bit so now i take it as a routine I normally do three times exercise per week. And it does, not saying it manages stress, but you kind of, you stand a little bit out of the business for some time. You start focusing a little bit on your, on, on your health. And I think that definitely helps to be healthier in order to manage stress. But I think managing stress is more about being self-confident. I guess it's, it's more about really believing in yourself, right? And believing in people around you, but mainly on yourself. So if you believe in yourself, you know you can do it. You can manage stress easier. I know it's easy to say, but self-confidence is one of the biggest things. How do you build that though? Like, because it's easy to say, but like, how do you actually you know, do that in the real world? Yeah, I think you need probably, I think you need to expose yourself to those situations, right? If you're always saying your comfort zone or you're always doing what you like and you're not exposing yourself to difficult situations, then it's difficult to manage those situations in the future, right? So you kind of, I think you need to be exposed to fucking complicated situations in order to be able to sort them out. And then, okay, once you sort them out once, you say, okay, I did it once. Why not doing it twice? And then, you know, you keep going. But you need to get exposed to those things. Uh, and again, um, yeah, you need to travel. I agree. And I think like a, a very big trap that uh, people get caught on is that they do like something, right? They do have like some level of success and then they get attached to it. And they're like, I did that so I don't want to expose myself anymore to anything like more challenging than that because if I do, I might fail. And if I fail, I'm no longer good enough. So like this kind of eats their self-confidence in a way. So it's like, I, I totally agree. I think it's really key to like, don't be too attached to what you've achieved because you can do more than what you've achieved in a sense. And if you don't try and if you don't expose yourself, you're not going to actually do more. Correct. I think failure is part of the success. There's, I don't know... I don't think there's anybody out there that succeed without failing. So I think it's part of a success. Um, might sound a little bit strange what I'm saying, but I think you need to fail in order to succeed. So I, I think part of a success, failure is part of a success. So you, you have to, and you have to get broke at some point. And then again, those are the situations that you need to manage. That's where you get start getting self-confident, right? Okay, I, I knew how to sort this out. It was not an easy thing to sort out. And then that's why you start building that self-confidence for the future. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Jorge, like what's the best way for people to contact you? Like where where can people find you basically? 
Well, I'm not very um, active on social networks. I might be doing more podcasts after this one with you. It's been a pleasure, uh, Joseph. Thanks for having me. I think probably LinkedIn um, might be a good way. I'm not going to leave my mobile phone here. <laughs> so LinkedIn will be a good idea and even by email. But probably LinkedIn, you should have made a DM there and um, that's it. Um, probably my name is a bit difficult to find out if you're not Spanish. So I don't know how you want to do that, George, but it's... Um, it's Jorge de la Puente, right? I am going to put it, don't worry. Like, But it, I, I said it correctly, Jorge de la Puente. Yeah, you said it perfectly, man. Uh, they say Greek Jorge is very similar to Spanish. So like, probably yeah. that way. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. like for taking the time. It was, I think, a really good episode. You, you said a lot of things that have value. And thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks. If you're a business leader with an interesting story to tell, reach out to me directly through LinkedIn and let's explore whether we'd be a good fit for the show. My name is George Capernaros. That's George, K-A-P-E-R-N-A-R-O-S. And if you'd like to have your email and SMS program audited by a world-class agency for free, head over to yocto.agency, click through to book a call and add the note that you are a listener or viewer of the CEO After Dark show. See you on the next episode.